It's fairly early in the morning. It's fairly early in the morning, but uh, getting started on Luke chapter 11. Might have to, I, I don't really know why my EQ seems to be with a lot of reverb on it. It had an echo on it. I don't know why. <laughs> Let's take out some of that. I'm not trying to sound like I'm singing singing here. So going into, I hope you all are doing good. Um, we just celebrated Easter. It was, it was a good Easter. I, I tell you what, though, um, ever since I've been doing these Bible studies, uh, Satan has been chucking monkey wrenches at me. I've just had to deal with a lot of inconveniences. Um, just personally, a lot of inconveniences just from from certain people, um, the government processes as we try to work through immigration with my wife. It's just, uh, you know, my car uh, having issues just basic life stuff and it's been you know not small things fairly big things so you know it happens and it it's it's crazy how just you know the week my wife and I are about to celebrate our one year anniversary and how it's kind of crazy that you can just have you know amidst what's meant to be this like good and amazing week of a of a, of a feat conquered a, a year in marriage you know, it's not easy, but it's worth it, and, and marriage is amazing, but it's just crazy how, like, leading up to that year marker, life has just been crazy. There's just been thing after thing after thing after thing just in the past 10 days, and I'm weary. I'm tired. Work's been good. My marriage has been good. I'm not, you know, there's, it's not, it's not a complaint on those fronts. It, it is just the reality of, of life is hard, even when you're trying to do everything right. And doing these Bible studies has been a breath of fresh air to get me through the day, a, a wave of peace, a wave of clarity to get me through the day. It's just ironic how when you step into the world, you know, the, the cost of following Jesus, it's just funny how spiritual warfare can really start attacking you. So moving, uh, not too much of that tangent, but moving straight forward into Luke chapter 11, I do not think I'm going to be able to get through this chapter in one sitting. I really don't. And it's not that it's like the craziest, uh, longest chapter. It's it's just there's so much in it. There's so there's so much content. And I thought there was a lot of, it's like every chapter has just been more and more content. And I'm like, oh my gosh, should I be should I be breaking up these uh, chapters into the passages and just really diving into passages, cross-referencing, doing homework? But that's honestly not my point. My point isn't to do that for this. My point is to read it. My point is to read the Bible, to get through it, to learn as I go. I butcher some of the names when I'm trying to say them. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect, you know, it's not the perfect representation as far as linguistically, but like we're reading it verbatim, we're pushing through, and that's the goal. The book of Luke, written to a man named Theophilus, 
who is clearly held in renown around this area of what is the Roman Empire near the Mediterranean Sea. The book of Luke is one of the four Gospels, goes into the book of Acts, which is focusing on the aftermath of Jesus' ministry, his life, his testimony, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection. So much has happened. We ended chapter 10 talking about Martha and Mary and the good portion. And how Mary had the good portion and Martha was too, she was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And Luke chapter 11 goes straight into the Lord's prayer. This is, this is powerful. This is, we, we've talked a little bit, you know, if this is your first time listening and diving in, thank you so much. Go back, start with the first one get to this point it's it's just where it's a snowball effect where you do not want to miss what's before because it's going to take away from how powerful this is but we've talked about as Jesus became a man right and this is this is in the scripture as he became a man he grew in stature he physically grew into a healthy man he didn't just grow in stature he grew in wisdom he grew health he, he grew in a mental and emotional way, in a very healthy way, to achieve wisdom. So he's a, he's a healthy man emotionally. He's a healthy man mentally. This is going to make him wise. He grew physically. He grew mentally and emotionally. He grew in favor with man, with both man and God. And so socially, this is a man, this is a, this is a full-grown adult, male, man, human being named Jesus who is the epitome of health as a human being. The epitome of health, physically, mentally, and emotionally, socially, which as a believer, that's the bullet point, that's the bullseye marker for spiritual health. Jesus encapsulates all that. And so on the road to getting there as a believer, we have many facets. But meditation is powerful. To not be afraid to seclude yourself, to not be afraid to reset, to not be afraid to make sure that you are without ailments and sicknesses and diseases to take care of yourself. Then there's prayer, so powerful your connection to God, the blessings you can pour out on other people, the prayer for other people, the selfless act to go beyond yourself, your selfish desires, and to become selfless in the moment for somebody else, for something else, for a purpose greater than your own. That's prayer. We have fasting, something that is not hammered on enough, that is by certain sects of Christianity, certain branches, of Christianity, but as a whole, in the non-denominational realm, that is a very pop culture modern format that we see 
specifically in the Bible Belt, but nationwide in America. That non-denominational approach cannot ignore how important fasting is. You can't put an emphasis on prayer and not fasting. You can't do it. It's, it's not good. It's not good for the soul. Fasting is to physically go without. It is to sacrifice. It's, it's man shall not live by bread alone. It is putting that into practice. It is taking the belief and the knowledge, putting action to it. It's very important to do. It's very important. So meditation, prayer, and fasting, it's, it's, they're character traits that you embody as you begin to follow Jesus. And so Jesus, when it comes to prayer, we know he went 40 days fasting. We know that he secludes himself, that he finds solace, that he finds solitude, moments of solitude, even amidst the ministry and the fame. But this is powerful. Now, Jesus, when he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples, John the Baptist. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do you do not bother me? The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Obviously, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, we know the length, the lengthy form, if you're not familiar with it. Um, it's, it's just a beautiful prayer that is spoken in most every church. So leading from that, go straight into Jesus and Beelzebul. And in my Reformation Bible, there's this section on prayer. It might be worth reading. It's just a section specifically talking about prayer. Um, not scripture, but it, it is, you know, this, this Reformation Bible is, any footnote that is seen here is a combination of literally dozens of doctorate PhD level minds the highest forms of education and theology and religion and Christianity 
the highest renowned minds in the educational field gather together to create these footnotes. That's that's where the validity comes in. A lot of people, you know, scholars or or cyn- uh, you know c- cynical people who question the Bible or don't believe in the Bible always seem to forget the vast just mind power. When, when a handful of humans get together and create a rocket that goes into space, a handful of humans get together and create video game consoles and com- supercomputers that are, that are pocket-sized, that, that fit in our, in our pants pockets that we can just carry around that are wireless, that, just, that store energy. and <laughs> It's crazy. And, and that's a handful of people. Way more minds have gone into not only the Bible and its creation, but its preservation and its and and the validity. The fact that they didn't have the technology to record and capture through audio and video back then, but the resources that they did have and the validity they were able to sustain through the test of time and through the rise and fall of dozens of civilizations, it's it's mind blowing. And if that's not God, then your eyes are just welded shut. And so, Jesus invisible, now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, which is the prince of demons while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So from there, there are several passages. The return of an unclean spirit, true blessedness, the sign of Jonah, the lamp of the body, woes to the Pharisees and lawyers. And that leads into chapter 12. And so, going back a little bit, making a lot of lot of noise because I got this cable of the, in an awkward position today. Going back to that section on prayer, and and to touch base on that passage that we just read, Jesus invisible, it, it's it just shows the unbelief. Like you could be someone as as pure as Jesus with the purest of intentions. And people still not like you. And people still question you. And people still assume that you're evil. Because they're going to see what they want to see in that moment. 
And I had a mentor tell me once, or a friend, good friend, tell me once regarding who we are as characters in other people's movies. Everyone, there's this common knowledge, this common thought. Um, it's not a far-fetched thought. It's a common thought that like everyone believes themselves to be the star of their own movie. Because you see everything from your eyes, you hear everything with your ears, your perspective is very isolated. And in that isolated perspective, it can create illusion. You can format your own reality. That is why it's so important to seek beyond your own reality. Praying for God's will, your will be done. Meaning, I don't want to be in charge of uh, the fate of my soul. Because I'm imperfect in recognizing that. Let your perfect will, your perfect soul, be compatible with mine. So it can lead me away from temptation. It can deliver me from evil. Through your power, through your glory. Those things, to step outside of that selflessness or that selfishness into the realm of selflessness. And Jesus doing this and encapsulating ultimate health and ultimate reality as we, we should seek it. He's still hated. He goes into towns and they try to certain towns try to kill him. He, they, they try to stone him. They try to murder him. It's, it's, that's the truth. So as we, as we see or walking down this, this anal- analogy, as we can see ourselves as the characters, the main stars of our own life movies, well, to others, considering others, from their perspective, you're in their movie. You're a character in their movie. What does that make you? Are you the protagonist, the antagonist? Are, are you the good guy? Are you the bad guy? Are you the best friend? Are you, who are you? Are you the villain? Are you the random character that just comes in and out and you're there for a scene? You're just in the backdrop? Seeing yourself in that way and in that light can, can bring a lot of understanding. Are you the guy on stage? Are you the guy in the audience? Maybe sometimes you are on stage. Maybe sometimes you're not. Maybe sometimes you're public speaking. Maybe sometimes you're not. Maybe you're in a room and all eyes are on you. Maybe you're in a room and no eyes are on you. And wherever you find yourself in different situations or in different circumstances, it's to treat it as a blessing and to treat people with respect and and to not be not to have this just onset of negativity, this negative mindset, this misanthropic mindset. It's something it's something hard. It's something rare to see people just who who overflow positivity, but they exist. Jesus is known to be one of these people, yet he was still hated. People were still suspicious of his reasoning. What's in it for you, Jesus? Why are you truly doing this? And just the, the, the blatant arrogance, honestly. So people say he's doing these works by Beezable. And it's a sad thing. So going back, getting back into prayer, uh, I feel like this is good to read just for references. God made us and redeemed us for fellowship with himself. 
and prayer is an important part of that relationship. God speaks to us in and through the contents of the Bible, which the Holy Spirit opens up and applies to us and enables us to understand. We then speak to God about himself, ourselves, and the people in his world, shaping what we say as a response to what he has said. This unique form of two-way conversation continues as long as life lasts. It is that intimate, it is that infinite relationship. The Bible teaches us how to pray both privately and in company with each other. And privately, there's a reference to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5-8. through 8. And in company, there is a reference to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and Acts chapter 4, verse 24. In prayer, God's people express adoration and praise, confess their sins and ask for forgiveness. Give thanks for God's goodness and make petitions for themselves and others. The Lord's Prayer, which is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, includes adoration, petition, and confession. The Psalter provides models of these three and of the petition and intercession as well. In petition, the persons praying make their requests known to God expressing their faith and dependence on Him for all things. Petition is the dimension of prayer most often highlighted through the Bible. As with the other aspects of prayer, petitions should ordinarily be directed to the Father as the Lord's Prayer shows. But prayer may be directed to Christ and in the days of His incarnation and to the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches that petition to the Father is to be made in His name. This means invoking his, med- his mediation as the one who secures our access to the Father and looking to Him for support as our intercessor in the Father's presence. Or, in other words, I guess the bridge, being the bridge to God. We may pray to God with fervent persistence when we bring our needs to Him and know that He will answer our prayers, but God knows what is best in a way that we do not. And He may deny our specific requests. If he denies us, it is because he has something better for us, as when Christ refused to heal Paul's thorn in the flesh. To say, your will be done, surrendering your own preference to Father's wisdom as Jesus did in Gethsemane, is an explicit way of expressing faith in the goodness of what God has planned. In intercession, we represent to God the needs and concerns of others. In doing this, we exercise God-given love for them. Moses is a model for such a prayer in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is the center of what Jesus came to do. As John 17 reveals, the same prayer shows us the glory of God gives the ultimate purpose of intercession. In the same way, the Lord's Prayer puts God's glory first, making God's name the guide for our petitions and confessions as well. So that's a lot in but it's 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 powerful the references from the old to the new testament and and giving the specific verses to cross reference those are fun things to do with the bible that is where we rely on the minds uh, the, literally hundreds of minds over hundreds and thousands of years 
and, and I say hundreds in relation to the Reformation Bible, when you consider the resources accessible to the modern listener, and that is the true purpose of this. That is where my, all my hope and my prayer is just pinpoint focused on when it comes to the reason of me doing this. I am, I am not the end-all be-all. I am not a trained... I'm not a trained preacher, and I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, you know... I, I just picked up my Bible one day, and, and I happened to be a musician who found found recording fun. And I decided, okay, well, as my faith grew, you know, several years ago I got baptized, and now I feel called to do this because reaching the modern listener and expounding Christian liberty for the modern listener is of the utmost importance for this upcoming generation. That's why this needs to be shared with people, because not, not just for the sake of this Bible study, but for the sake of getting out there and listening to guys far better than me, far smarter than me. I'm reading from a Bible that was comprised by hundreds of people. That's just this Bible. There's other versions of the Bible. That's not to say that they have different contexts. Some may. A guy like Thomas Jefferson, who literally tore pages out of the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about different translations. If you're bilingual, God bless you. Read a Spanish Bible. What is it? Feel the idioms. What? How do the idioms hit you in different ways, in different formats that just that gives you a new perspective of who Jesus was? There's too many resources available today to not be surrounding yourself and covering yourself in the Word of God. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings light in a dark world. It allows you to see a stranger and not see evil and wickedness, but hope in the future. It's everything we need right now. It is everything we need forever. And so I'm going to leave it with that. God bless.